the last time we talked, things were just starting to hit here in America. And what's well, been like a couple of months, and things have definitely changed a lot since then. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I mean, who the fuck knows? I mean, you, you read the news every day, and it's a different story. You know, like some people, there's like all these different scenarios that everyone's going through. It's like, you know, this is going to be uh, rolling waves of people getting infected for like years. And mm-hmm. I mean, on, I mean, it, things just can't go on the way they are, you know, because there won't be anything left, you know, like. I, I don't right. know. I don't know what the right answer is. I know that uh, eventually, I'm gonna, you know, things are going to have. There's going to have to be some moves made, you know. And um, at least in New York, I feel like it's it's being dealt with in a in a educated way instead of ju- an emotional way. And um, you know, the, num- right. the numbers are numbers are coming down. The number of hospitalizations are down. Every everything's like sloping down slowly, not not as steeply as uh, as everyone anticipated but uh but you know it's um i mean that's only because people haven't been going anywhere and everything's shut down so i mean right i'll I'll feel comfortable when i when they start really implementing implementing uh the testing procedures and when they find people that are uh you know that you, you can find out whether or not you're you're infected or not and if you're infected then you quarantine and you deal with it and then I imagine that's going to be the first step of really um, kind of isolating all this stuff until until there's a treatment or there's a vaccine or any of these other things mm-hmm. down the line. So I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sheltering home, I, I, I guess it's helped, but it, it's not a permanent, sustainable solution, I don't think. Uh, you just keep everything shut down. You know, like you say, everything's going to collapse and then we're going to be off in a much worse position than we are now. But like I said, I don't really have any answers. I don't know. Um, I will say this though, like I probably was at only like at home from work for about a week and a half. And then I, I went back to work and at first it was pretty terrifying. You know, you feel like there's this invisible thing stalking you and it, it was very, nerve-wracking to, you know, interact with other people and have to drive to different places. And it was really scary, but day by day, it got a little bit easier to, I'm at the point now where things feel kind of normal for me again. Right. Like I go to work for eight, eight and a half hours and I come home and I have a routine down and I'm being as safe as I possibly can. And I'm just hoping that the people around me are, uh, and that's the best I can do. I kind of like just turned a corner after like a couple of weeks back at work, being like, I, I can't keep worrying about this constantly or I'm going to go insane and I can just do the best I can. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm not being irresponsible. I wear gloves everywhere. I wear my mask everywhere. And um, I find this, uh, this sort of pushback against wearing a mask a little strange. Uh, I know it's being kind of painted as like a rural redneck thing, but believe me, there's people like that here. There's people yeah. like that everywhere. They just don't want to do it. And I mean, I witnessed this myself. I was in a store and a guy, it's like lanky fucking hipster white dude walked into the store and security guard was like, get out of here if you don't have a mask. And he wanted to stay and argue. 
That guy uh, should get punched in the face, know. I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, agree. Not, not because of the mask, but because he's a fucking tall, lanky hipster guy. <laughs> and then maybe, maybe because of the mask, but uh, that, that's that's. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, he didn't want to wear a mask. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like like well, yeah, I know, but like this is the new reality we're living in, and you can you can play your part or you can be part of the fucking problem. And then I kind of observed this guy, like, in the store, and I just watched him. He was, like, looking, picking up bottles of wine and putting them, like, right up to right up to his face and then putting them back and taking another one. It's like, God, this guy is, like, just wants to touch everything with his bare fucking hands. Yeah, I, I mean. I don't get it. I don't either, really. I mean, um, well, since, like, in the last, like, I've been living out here in Jersey for a week, and uh, this is the first full week I've been here, and, um. In New York, I, I feel like everyone was pretty good about wearing masks and gloves and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, the downside is that everyone is just like on top of each other, you know, and, and I mean, there's yeah. a lot of problems in New York, man. It's like, I mean, that's one of the entry points uh, the virus had into the East, East Coast is at JFK. You know, like now they know, right. now they're saying there's a, a European strain that came across Europe. And it entered the Northeast, uh, you know, in New York, Newark area, and then spread. And then, of course, you know, New York City is like, you know, fucking people are living on top of each other, man. It's like one of the most densest cities in the world, probably the most, maybe maybe next to Tokyo, you know. Um, So that's there's that, you know, and and there's no room. And when you live there, you live in this box, you know, and you got other people around you. And, uh, you know, it's just like and then the subway system is, uh, you know, very um, it's it's disgusting. Honestly, it's like I mean, even before this happened, I remember taking the subway to work. Actually, prior prior to this whole thing uh, happening, I felt like New York was slowly starting to backslide into the way it was in the 80s and maybe even the 70s just with like you know homeless people uh just right. like you know darkness and stuff like that you know like in in manhattan <laughs> like you know people shooting drugs like on the street like i i remember many times in the morning yeah you know, a lot of times i get to my i would get to my office like really early like six thirty, you know 6 a.m sometimes and uh you know during during the winter months it's dark you know, so I would get out of the train, I would walk and I remember there was one time I was walking up 35th Street and there was like this group of like homeless guys, like there was like three or four of them and they yeah. were like doing something, maybe some kind of drug thing or whatever. But I felt like I was going to have to like defend myself. You know what I mean? And I was like, wow. oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, uh, you guys I, definitely uh, have that problem out in L.A. I know that for a fact, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I, I drive through Skid Row on a daily basis for work, and the shit I see is, I mean, it's just depressing. Yeah, but, I, mean, uh, I gotta say, man, the, the idea of riding a subway at, ever again uh, does not appeal to me. No, I, no, I, I didn't like no it way. when I lived in. Well, since I moved out to LA, I rarely get sick. I rarely get the flu or a stomach bug or anything like that. Uh, and I was like, I wonder why. And I really think it has to do with like live when I like riding the subway, yeah. you're just on top of each other. It's not, it's not normal. And I think in this new 
you know, when this pandemic uh, subsides, I, I think a lot of things are going to look a lot different. And I think a lot of people are going to think twice before they get on a packed subway car or maybe they won't allow it to be that packed anymore. Yeah, I, I, I think um, that's a positive thing, too. I mean, for me, the subway is not yeah, going to be totally. part of my reality anymore. I'm not even taking the subway anymore. I'll, I'll be taking like a commuter train into the city, which is a little bit different. But, you know, back back to those months before the pandemic, it was like, you know, that was one instance. And then there was another instance I was like walking and there's a police station and literally right across the street from the police station. This guy was like shooting heroin, like on the side of this, just in the in basically on the sidewalk. Yeah, and uh, uh, same here. Like <laughs> <laughs> the the police station in Hollywood, like right around there's like uh, you know there's a huge homeless population around there. Sketchy people doing sketchy shit. Yeah, but like in New York, I, I mean that that's been like a a thing in L.A. for a while, like Skid Row. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. After Giuliani and his. Uh, jack-booted stormtroopers came through and and transformed new york city it became um very you know midtown was like very very clean like there was no real sketchy elements there i mean there was there's always a little bit of like shadiness going on but not like this man where like people are doing drugs i saw some some girl giving like a guy a hand job and like uh you know like this cardboard like lean to like Literally right at the corner of the building where my office is, there's like they had this scaffolding, and then there was the homeless people had d- built these cardboard, this cardboard like shanty town. And I remember this girl showed up like over the summer. I saw her passed out in the subway, like just laying on like a piece of cardboard. But she was not, she wasn't dirty yet. She was just like, right. I was kind of perplexed because I was like saw this young girl and I was like. She had normal clothes on. She was just asleep on on the sidewalk, on the uh, inside the subway station. And I was like, "Huh, that's weird." As the months went by, I, I was witnessing her descent, you know, and and then like, it was the same girl. Like literally five months later, she was jerking this dude off, like in a in a box, basically, like right on the corner of where my office is. And uh, I was like, "Damn." So there was that, and then just on the and I was talking about this with Mike Scandato on a couple episodes ago, because he's also um, you know a New York uh, guy, right? It, you know, lived here, lived in New York City all his life, and has traveled the subways his whole life. And we were talking about just the increase in just uneasiness on the subway of like uh, you know threatening people, and also I would observe people like vomiting on the platform and. And there was a point yeah. where once when, once I decided to move out to Jersey, I was thinking about, man, like, I can't believe I, I lived like this for all these years. Like, I can't believe that I put myself in this, like, soup of bacteria that, like, every day. And um, and then now we have this, like, fucking pandemic that we're dealing with. And with the drop of subway users because of everything being shut down in the city, uh the, the homeless have basically taken over the subway as their, uh, you know, semi-permanent residences. And there's this big, yeah, there's this big thing going on every night where I, I don't know if it's nightly, but a couple of nights a week, they shut the system down at night um, and they clear it oh, out, that. you know, and they, they uh, sterilize or whatever they do. They, I don't know if they can sterilize it, but they clean this, clean the subway cars, but uh, it's, it's fucked right. up, man. You know, it's, um, 
it's 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 weird it's unsettling it's uh i don't know it's just like a a once hopefully a once in a lifetime thing that people go through you know i hope so too but again with like so many people losing their jobs and unemployment skyrocketing and i think you're gonna see maybe an increase of, of homelessness and like i, I oh, see yeah. like what you were describing i see it too you, like you see someone like come out of a tent on 7th street and they look like they're going to work. They have normal clothes on. They, they, they look clean. And then, you know, you see that same person a month later, like they look a little bit more wary and their clothes a little bit more tattered. And, um, I worry there's going to be a lot more of that. I was, you know, reading that like suicides are, are up divorce, like a lot of, a lot of negative things like this is like are happening. Oh, because yeah, for sure. Of the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, and, in, in New York, it's the summer's going to be crazy here, honestly. I think that, you know, for a lot of what you were saying, that, um, you know, there's going to be uh, a lot of people without, without work, um, unemployed, more homeless people. People are going to be angry. They're going to be, uh, I mean, I don't believe the city is going to be completely returned or, or reopened this summer. I still think a lot of it's going to be... Um, on pause. Uh, yeah. and then of course, you know, if, if, if the infection rate goes up because of the reopening, there's going to be another shutdown and then there's going to be right. people like locked in their apartments during the summer. And I just, I'm, I, I'm really glad I don't, I'm not living there right now. I'm glad that I'm out of the city cause I don't feel like getting stabbed or like jumped by somebody. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, the summer heat comes crazy. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah, man. yeah, that, that worries me too. And like it, it, when people with nothing to do, you start to lose it a little bit. Like yeah. I honestly think like the summer movie season is probably completely canceled. I don't, I can't foresee anyone wanting to sit in a crowded theater anymore no. or at least right now. No one's on tour. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Forget about that. Yeah. And I mean, I, I just don't see any of that happening for, you know, until 2021. And it's depressing to think about, but, you know, I, I, just, I just try not to think about it. And you, you know what I mean? Yeah, we, we got approached about doing a tour in the fall. And um, it's funny. Cause really? We, yeah. Our, our manager sent me an email with uh, not, not an offer, but to see if we would be available to do it. And uh, I was like, it's all out on the West Coast. And um, mm. I'm like, uh, hmm, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure. If if we're able to do it, <laughs> I mean, like, I think it'd be, I, I would be up for doing it if it was like agreed upon that it was a safe thing to do. Um, I mean, right. flights would probably be dirt cheap to go out there, and uh, they are, you know, yeah, probably. But, but, uh, but uh, I've been hearing about people being on packed flights now and how uncomfortable oh, right. and scary it is. Yeah, fuck that. Um, yeah. I mean, we always yeah. have the option to drive, of take, doing a couple of dates on the way out too. But, but honestly, right. I don't yeah. think that's, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I think, I really do think this tour that we're talking about is probably, probably not going to happen. I mean, that's, but I, if if things are are open in the fall, I definitely want to have something to do. You know what I mean? I don't want to sure. just be sitting on my ass like. If I can be on tour support, because we have like a new record coming out in the fall too, so it's like, right? I you know, and there was never any talk of postponing it or anything. 
No, I mean, we're, we're finishing up the recording at the end of this month. I mean, we, we were supposed to be on tour right now at Napalm Death. And, right. Uh, we finished the drums before the tour was supposed to start. And then we're going back in in a couple of weeks because uh, this coming week would have been the last week of the tour. And, oh, wow. Uh, it sucks, you know, but uh, what are you going to do? I mean, it, it's this is the, right, the exactly. world we live in, you know. Yeah, I've seen a lot of bands that like had tours in like March and April postpone them till uh, you know August or you know like there was optimism that this was just going to blow over and be done with. Like, like I, I feel like a lot of people approach it like they were like getting ready for a blizzard. You know, oh, we'll just stay at home for a little while and everything will be fine. And then it seems to slowly be dawning on everyone that that, that it's not, and this is going to be a problem for a while so it, yeah. you know like i seen that like uh greg dooley was uh his tour was canceled and then i saw an announcement and it was like postponed till september because i guess at that point september sounded like a safe sure date you know and, and it, it's i don't see that happening i don't see me going to that show out here no, in LA, I, don't, you know? I don't think so man honestly i don't see any of that stuff happening really i i um i would be pleasantly surprised if things like that happy uh, happen rather and i would participate you know because i imagine by that time because um, i mean i know the tri-state area you know new york new jersey connecticut they're um really aggressively going into this uh testing protocol and tr testing and tracing and that really might be until there's a vaccine that really might be what brings things back to a relatively normal um, situation because I mean if you find if, you know there's only so many people that live in the fucking this region you know and if you test mm -hmm. everyone and then out of the people that you test you isolate the ones who are infected and then you just are in this like um, you know regimen of getting yourself tested eventually I think things will be under control you know uh, it'll yeah. be like the AIDS epidemic you know what I mean it's like Right. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I say that jokingly, but not really jokingly. It's going to be like, uh, it's going to be kind of exactly like that. You get, you know, if you're out there raw dogging, you got to, you know, you run the risk of uh, getting AIDS or HIV right. or whatever. And if you're responsible, you don't get HIV. And then you might have to get tested. You might, maybe it's the kind of scenario where like every, every, couple months or weeks or how depending on what your your lifestyle it's like you go out there and you get tested you know and just and that's how that's how this thing gets put under control you know right so do you know anyone with it now that that this is another thing i want to talk about too it's like i know one person that's had it personally know one person that's had it they my um the guy that one of the owners of the muay thai uh gym uh, he was. I had him on oh, the right. show a couple yeah. a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I haven't listened to that one yet. Yeah, Mike, uh, Mike DeGuzman. Uh, mm -hmm. He he wasn't actually diagnosed, but he had all the symptoms because back then when he uh, got sick, New York was still in this thing of like, stay home, like don't come into the hospitals. You know what I mean? So yeah, but he <laughs> developed all the symptoms. So ninety nine point nine percent, he he had COVID nineteen. So. Uh, and he, he went into how, you know, the whole, and the whole thing of, of what happened and, you know, or he still doesn't really know how he might have gotten it and, um, but what it was like dealing with it. And the one thing he did say is that he has a uh, history 
of uh, respiratory problems. So mm. that's why, you know, that's why he, you know, he added that on to say that, yeah, I think that's why I, I got hit hard because his wife was also infected, but she didn't have the same type of, um, it didn't hit her the same way as it did him, you know? And, th- right. and this is a guy that's like ab- above average fitness, like, you know, right. he- healthy, like very much in that, you know, demographic of somebody you would think is fit and like doesn't have any problems. But, you know, he did say he had some respiratory history of respiratory problems. So that's why it hit him. But, you know, it's a real wow. thing, man, you know, and and, um, you know, like around that time, he was talking about racism against like uh, Asian people in New York and. You know, it's it's just a, there's that too. You know, it's fucking crazy. Right. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I have a, a family member that that had it, and um, you know, he was in Florida on vacation when the uh, uh, spring breakers went down there, and he came back with, you know, he felt like he had a cold, and then he just proceeded to get really, really sick, and. Wasn't didn't seem to be getting better. He's better now, but it sounded like he was pretty sick for a long time, really? and it didn't sound like yeah. And you know he was he's sixty two, I think. Um, so it was, it was definitely definitely worrisome. You know, it was definitely worried for him, but he seems to be doing okay now. But you know, he he was he was down for a while, and it hit even closer to home. I found out. Um, it was Thursday. Um, my coworker found out he had it back at the end of February. Wow! And right around that time, two other people in our office got really, really sick. So this, I was definitely around it. So I could have had it too and be asymptomatic. I, I, I don't know. But uh, I, I'm going to get tested as soon as I can. Yeah, that, that's the page I'm on, too, because um, I, 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 I have no idea. I mean, I, I think just I, I would, would not be surprised if I had been infected at some point in the last few months just because of uh, I, I believe that the virus has been here since like late December or even earlier, maybe. And just being on the fucking subway with people and being in New York city, I I find it hard to believe that I at least wasn't exposed to someone who had it, you know? And I know that the building that our office is in, there's like someone on, on one of the floors had contracted it and uh, you know, they shut down that floor and, you know, did a deep cleaning or whatever, but that, that's like, you know, people, especially people that work for the building, they, they go from floor to floor all the time. So I don't know who right. knows, you know, I mean. Yeah, I mean, like, if I, I worked with one person who definitely had it and two people that could have, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I was kind of a germaphobe before all this, yeah. so I was never big on touching door handles with, with my bare hands or things like that. But, you know, you know, probably touch the same box with someone, an envelope, or, you know, yeah. push the button on the water cooler, like, and, uh, yeah, so it, it's, it's a good chance that I could have had it and not known. And the, all the other thing to keep in mind too is like statistic. There's, I I think that there's, all right, I I don't want to sound like some kind of conspiracy theorist, but (laughs) I also don't want to just blindly fall into the press 
uh, terror, terror cycle that seems to be happening too, you know? Um, I mean, I, I have to look at the numbers more, but even with all the, the uh, horrible news about people dying and, and the rates of infection, I'd like to still understand what the real risk is. You know what I mean? Like, um, right. How many people die? You know, what, what the likelihood of actually getting this thing and being able to deal with it is, you know, I mean, a lot, there's so many unknowns about this thing. And also the way that news is being reported is very sensational too, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, you know, the papers, you know, the newspaper world is non-existent these days. So, you know, New York times, daily news, all these, you know, different, uh, publications are just trying to get people to look at their sites. So, you know, I subscribe sure. to the times and the daily news online and I get, you know, the headlines, uh, into my email every morning. And, um, you know, up until, up until the pandemic, it was mainly just looking at political stuff. And then now it's like a complete submergence into the, the doom and gloom, like forecasts and this wallowing in terror and, you know, this like uh, borderline irresponsible reporting of some of these things too, you know? And, uh, yeah. And absolutely. And it's been politicized too. Oh man. Yeah. And that is the worst thing that, that, that could have happened, I think. And it's really disheartening and depressing to see, to see this, you know, basically somehow this is the Democrats fault or the Republicans fault or like, it's gotten very ugly. And, you know, if you're on Twitter or social media, anything like that, like you see things people are saying, it's just really depressing. You know, you hear all this bullshit, like we'll get through this together. And uh, I, I don't agree with that at all. I think we'll get through this, but we're not going to be close. This isn't like nine 11 where it's for like a month. People seem to be good to each other, but that predated, you know, Facebook. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with that. I think that honestly, as far as like, uh, as a culture, the United States is at a total low point in its entire history right now, you know, with all this like, um, you know, partisan disagreements and fighting and people being reacting to, to each other. And, uh, the fact that we have like two completely, um, you know, like r ridiculously incompetent uh, people running for president this year. And, uh, yeah, and the fact God, that I Donald know. Trump somehow became president just in and of itself is like a fucking total low point in our country's history. And I, I get it. I understand. Like, like I see him do his press conferences and I'm outraged. I want to throw a fucking brick through my TV. I get it. Like, I, I'm angry, too. But, you know. At the beginning of this, it was like, as much as I don't like Donald Trump, I really hope he does a good job getting us through this. I really do. And it was clear from the beginning that that was just not going to, not going to happen. No, no, he's, and, yeah, it's, it, it, it's like, and, he just isn't capable of it, you know? Right. And any other election, I think would be a slam dunk for the other guy. If he just basically got on TV and made a complete fool out of himself day after day but instead we got joe biden <laughs> and i think i don't know how we got here joe biden really 
My, I mean, it's so it's almost like a movie script, man. It really is because it's like all of the all of the uh, liberal people in the Me Too movement, which you know the Me Too movement honestly is is, is a is a hoax was a hoax anyway. It was like let's get out ahead of the story and like you know I, I mean that we can go a whole podcast about the Me Too movement. I mean I don't I'm not supporting. Sure. I'm not supporting rape. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that women should go out and get raped and abused by men and all this other stuff. But I mean, right. It's kind of disgusting to use that platform as a way of covering your tracks politically, which is basically what the me too movement was, you know, and and I'll leave Mm -hmm. it to anyone out there who wants to research that. I'm not going to go into it right now because I don't want to talk about it necessarily. And, um, it's all out there are, in reputable news sources about what the Me Too movement actually was. But the same people that, uh, you know, that are that crucified Brett Kavanaugh, rightly so, rightly so, that he got crucified oh, yeah. for that. Fuck that guy. Are the ones who are supporting Joe Biden, who debatably is an equally dangerous, uh, you know, inappropriately offensive uh, woman toucher. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he's a guy that has had sexual misconduct allegations against him too. And it's a, it's public knowledge. So, I mean, how do you support a guy like that? Get behind him as your presidential candidate and condemn Brett Kavanaugh. I mean, both of them are, are horrible in my opinion, but like, how do, how do you, how is one guy passed and the other guy fails? That's what I, that's what I don't understand. Yeah, it's it's kind of thrown a wrench into that philosophy of of, of, of some of the people in the Me Too movement. You know, uh, for me personally, I like, I don't know. Like, if you don't vote for Biden, you're voting for Trump. Well, at the same time, it's like I don't like Joe Biden. I don't want to vote for him. You and I both live in Democratic states, so I'm not. I'm actually right, not going to vote this year, man. I'm like, I have no fucking candidate to vote for. If I was back in Bernie Sanders myself, um, mm-hmm. but uh, actually, he's back on the ballot in New York, and uh, is he? Yes. If I don't, I don't really even know what the fuck that's all about, honestly. But like, I don't even get any of that shit. I just, I, I got to be honest. You know what my 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 opinion is? Somewhere in a back room bunker somewhere, the, the Republicans and the Democrats got together and they made a deal. And they're like, all right, you know, we'll give you, uh, you guys can have Obama for two years and then, or for two two terms. And then we're going to get this guy, uh, what's his name? Uh, the, the TV the TV reality show guy that, that rips, <laughs> rips everyone off his family ever. All of his businesses have failed. Uh, that guy, Donald Trump. Yeah, that's his name. We're gonna, he'll be our guy, and we'll get him for yeah. two years. So don't try too hard to put someone against him that people can believe in. So that's why we had Hillary and Joe Biden. And then when Trump is done with his second term, they'll be like, all right, you guys can have your guy for two terms because, you know, you need to have two terms. I just think right. it, I, I find it hard to believe that that there's any sense of logic or fairness or this whole thing to me just seems like a work in my opinion, you know, and, and the fact that it's too strange of, to be real. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like literally the only thing Joe Biden has going for him is that he was Obama's vice president. You know what I mean? And they're just like hanging their hat 
on that being what's going to be able to defeat Donald Trump. A guy who should, like a real, a real opponent should be able to make short work of that guy. Even, even with Hillary. I mean, Hillary has so much controversy around her. It's like if they just put right. anyone against anyone with like no, with, without some shadowy background against Donald Trump, I feel like they would win, especially at this stage. You know? Yeah. And uh, sadly, I think the exact opposite is going to happen. I think uh, Trump seems to have come out of everything unscathed and he's going to come out of this relatively unscathed. And, and yeah, I think, I think he's going to win, sadly. And we got four more years of this insanity. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have that same premonition, but also, you know, it's like, I mean, I don't even think Biden's going to make it to the election, to be honest. I think that really? something something's going to, I mean, any all the Trump administration, once once they engage in like really digging up all the dirt about that guy, something's going to come up. I feel like they have an ace in the hole that they're waiting to um, unveil when things get start really uh you know, kicking into full swing with the campaign. And I feel like Biden is yeah. just going to have to drop out of the race. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you don't really even see, there's not, there's no, like, he doesn't really have a presence. Like you kind of forget this is an election year. Like November is around the corner. Yeah. I mean, it's been overshadowed and, by the pandemic, you know, really. Right. But, you know, I haven't seen any Biden signs anywhere. You know, I live in, you know, liberal Los Angeles. You know, you don't see any of that stuff. Yeah. I, there was a conspiracy theory a month ago that <laughs> Joe Biden was actually dead. Maybe. <laughs> that made me laugh. Like, nah, and, and when he does surface, he, he just his incoherent rambling isn't doing him any good. No, no, no way. And I, I just don't I don't. I just can't get behind it. I'm sitting this one out, man. I know it's like yeah, horrible, you know, like people can go out and, you know, like you can you can criticize me for not voting this year, but it's like, fuck it. I don't want to fucking support any of this shit. You know, New York is right. Uh, and actually, I don't live in New York anymore. I live in New Jersey. So but New right. Jersey is a Democratic state, too. But it's like, oh, is it? I, I think so. Yeah. Phil, uh, the governor is a Democrat. Um, oh, OK, so. They're going to vote blue anyway, which is another right. fucked up and, thing because, like, you know, the pop, you can't even, you know, they have all these, like, uh, you know, uh, ratings of um, performance and all that and popularity, but it's like the popularity vote doesn't even fucking matter. The popular vote, like, his approval rating has absolutely nothing to do with who wins the presidency. It's like the, uh, sure. you know, the electoral college. And that's how he won the last election, really. He, Lost the popular vote, but because his campaign was geared towards like the meth addicted uh, red states, you know, who are all out of work and filled with uh, white nationalists, he uh, appealed to them and they thought that uh, by voting for Donald Trump, it was going to uh, empower this like white uprising in the country. You know, uh, that's how he won, you know, and and. Yeah. Not not by how many people voted for Hillary and how many voted for voted for Donald Trump. It was just literally through percentages, you know, and electoral yeah. votes. Yeah, it's it's a strange system we have. Furthermore, uh, Donald Trump used to be a Democrat. 
I don't know if anyone yeah. even fucking remembers that. You know, he used to be a Democrat, and he's like, what's my easiest pathway to, uh, to become president of the United States? I know. I'll talk about coal. Coal, which people that live in coal mining regions of the country don't even want to go back to coal mining because of a, the fucking right. death toll, you know, that, that people have died from mining coal. Um, you know, let's see. We got about a lot of disenfranchised white people that live in these places like Indiana, Ohio, whatever. You know, let, let me have like some thinly veiled uh, messages out there to these like fringe far right, you know, types and uh, and appeal to them. And oh, yeah, by the way, right. these are these are the countries that have the most electoral votes. And this is how I'll become president. You know. Fuck it. Yeah. You, you, you must have some thoughts on those protests that were happening when people marching the streets, uh, you know, on machine guns. Why? Why are they fucking flag. armed? Why? Why? Most of these motherfuckers with guns would probably shoot themselves in the face if they had to actually use these guns. And like, part of me is like, why do you show up at a protest fucking armed? You know, they should have been arrested, in my opinion, man. It's like. I don't know. Fuck that. It's like uh, you can do go do your protesting, you know, whatever. That's great. You know, that's we have a right to assembly, like all that sort of stuff. But I mean, showing up someplace armed is a fucking statement. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I'm just like, what kind of statement are you trying to say here? You know, and I I, I mean, I like guns. I, 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 I like guns. I think guns are interesting pieces of equipment. I think that. I, because I am very much into knowing how to defend yourself, I think that it's mm -hmm. important to understand weapons, you know, guns, knives, you know, other types of weapons, you know, how to use your brass your, knuckles. Your, yeah, brass knuckles, fuck everything. <laughs> I, I, I like to use, I like weapons. I like fighting and I like self defense. And I think it's important right. to know how to do those things just because it gives, it calms your fucking mind and it gives you a perspective on stuff. If you go out and buy a gun, you have the responsibility to understand what you have and how to use it effectively and train with it and make it part of your everyday routine so that you don't kill yourself or someone else. That's kind of like how I feel about guns. Like, I don't think that you mm -hmm. just ban guns, whatever, you know, like I'm not, I'm not one of those people. I think that it's important that we have weapons and we're able to use them. It's a constitutional right, you know, mm -hmm. I mean take that however you guys will. I know every, a lot of people disagree with me, but that's my feeling and whatever. So furthermore, if you're going to show up at a protest armed, you're a fucking asshole, in my opinion. You should just go there, protest, wave your sign. I think that at this stage of the game, I, and I understand why people are protesting. I understand that, like, you know, people want to be able to support their families. They want, um, they don't want to, like, and people are out of work for no doing of their own. It's just this thing yeah, happened. You know? It's frustrating. It's, not like, it's totally frustrating, and I understand it. But fucking stay home, man. You know, wear a mask. Like, don't... It's, it, there's, so, there's so little known about things that people really should just pay attention, you know, and not act out. And so I understand the frustration. I understand the anxiety. But, like, you know, just, just try to keep it together, man. I don't... And then some people try to get confused about these things. They want to turn it into, uh, you know, this like these civil civil liberties and 
you know, the government's taking things away from us and whatever. And I'm just like, let's just like give it a little bit more time and see what the fuck's going on, you know? Right. And, you know, you, you can't say you're pro-life and all this all lives matter bullshit when you're saying sacrifice the weak and you have that moron Glenn Beck saying oh, that God. old people should, should, should die for their country. This is a guy that was screaming about Obama death camps for eight years. Of, and now he's talking about how people should die for their country. It was, it was a disturbing narrative that was being pushed on, on the right. That, that, that really, really bothered me. Yeah. And yeah, seeing these fucking clowns in the street wa- waving Trump flags and, and signs and holding guns and what is going on, man? Where the fuck are we? Yeah, I, I you know, I, I don't like the irresponsible uh, gun thing at all. And uh, I, I just think that if, if you got to show up at a protest with a fucking gun, <laughs> you're, you got some fucking problems, really, you know? Uh, right. You yeah. Look, you, you look. You need to look inward, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, it was really disheartening to, to, to see that. And, I mean, we had a protest in, in Orange County, you know, an hour from here. I don't think people weren't waving guns or anything, but they were definitely not wearing masks, doing dumb shit like that. It's depressing, man. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. This shit's creepy for sure, man. Like, I watched the uh, UFC last night, and it was um, – they had, they, had they had a UFC event. And uh, it was there was no crowd, and all the cornermen were wearing masks, and everyone was tested, and it was fucking right. weird, man. I don't want to live in a world like this, you know. It's like I don't I, want to I live know. in a world like that. I don't, you know. But it's like, but until until further notice, this is where we're at, you know. And, yeah, and I mean, yeah, I, I love football. That's my sport. Yeah, it's gonna be weird to watch games where there probably won't be a crowd there but you know it's better than nothing but yeah you're right i mean i feel bad for like people you know a lot of my friends are big baseball fans and you know just no season yeah yeah definitely and that, that's that's got to be rough it's rough for everybody everyone has their thing that's been disturbed by this um you know yeah. i'm a i love movies obviously you do too summer season's coming up a lot of stuff i was looking forward to you know it's just gone it's moved to next year and Everything that was filming has, has shut down, pushing that even further back. Um, you know, it's, it's depressing. I was really looking forward to seeing uh, Christopher Nolan's new movie on an IMAX screen this summer, and it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, man. It's, you know, I mean, yeah, for me, it's like the tours, you know, like going, even going to shows sucks. You can't do that. And then the, you know, I mean, every day I would do some sort of martial arts training and I can't even, that's shut. Who knows when that's going to come back? You know, going to a, like, right. train, that would be train Muay Thai or something. Pretty high, yeah, it's pretty high risk, I would imagine. I mean, you're all up on each other. Yeah, and like, uh, I, at this stage of the game, I would just be happy to be able to go someplace besides my apartment or to like the grocery store. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, it's like yeah. besides, I mean, I feel fortunate to be living out here where it's nice and quiet and peaceful and there's no, you know, like I don't feel uh, like crowded or anything like that here, but it'd be nice to go to a diner or go out and get something to eat or go to a movie or just go someplace besides here in my apartment or 
to stock up on groceries. That's it. You know, it's like that's right, the yeah. only places I can go right now. You know? Right. I go to work and I come home and I was saying things feel normal for me. But then I realized, oh, I can't just stop at the grocery store on the way home. You know, it's yeah. going to take two hours. Yeah. Or, you know, we can't go out to eat. Can't go to a movie. One of the more surreal moments was uh, uh, seeing like the shuttered movie theater around the corner from my house. And on the marquee, it says the invisible man. Wow. And I was like, I just watched, watched that in my apartment <laughs> like an, an hour ago. Like, it, it just sort of added the, the surreal, like, oh, yeah, everything's, you know, no, no more going to the movies. So, the, you know, studios did a smart thing and released it on, uh, uh, you know, iTunes yeah. or, or, or yeah. whatever. Video on demand, or, you know, on demand. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I, and, I, I took a... Um, I had to like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know a hundred percent where I'm going right now. Like as far as like, uh, you know, directions to different places right now. I mean, I, I have a pretty good understanding of this area, but you know, yeah. sometimes I make like a wrong turn, you know what I mean? And in New Jersey, sure, you're fucked if you make a wrong turn because it's like, <laughs> they got all these like jug handles and all this shit and no, no left-hand turn, you know, stuff like that. So I ended up making a wrong turn. And I ended up driving through the Menlo Park Mall parking lot. And it was fucking <laughs> closed, man. And I was like, holy shit. Like, I mean, I, I, I grew up like, like, like you. We're not, we're not really urban people, you and I. We grew up like in the suburbs or like more you know, areas that weren't the city. So for me, I like malls. Right. You know, I've always been a fan yeah. of going to a mall. I like going there, you know, whatever. And I was like, yeah, man. Guilty. The, yeah, guilty. You know, you go there, you go to the food court, you know, you fucking buy some Doc Martens or some shit, you go to the Apple store, you know. Yeah. Vans, you know, whatever. Get some pants or some shit. And then, like, I, I used to love going there to the Menlo Park Mall. And, and it was completely fucking empty and everything was closed. You know, there was, like, a Buffalo Wild Wings in there. And I was just like... Oh, actually, there's not. It's not a Buffalo Wild Wings. It's like a similar type of establishment where you can go and watch fights and sporting events and shit. Closed. Right. Everything closed. And I was like, "Fuck, man. right." So fucking weird. It's a weird feeling. And even weirder, it's going to be like, like we might live in, in, in a world where like Applebee's and Buffalo Wild Wings is going to be the only places you can eat because all the mom and pop shops are fucking gone. Yeah, I don't know. I, I hope not. I mean, the good thing is a lot of places are open for delivery. You know, like they're still, yeah. they're still open. They're still making money. But like my, one of my favorite diners is the Menlo Park Diner right by the mall. And that place has been closed for months, man. And that's like just like one of those totally like sick, like tri-state area style diners, like old school, you know, like with the, with the, yeah, it's just like, like some Greek guy owns it. You know what I'm saying? Like, just like one of these like big you go in there 24 hours, you can get like a grilled cheese sandwich at like two o'clock in the morning, you know, like coffee, those like black and white cookies, like that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. It's one of the things I miss about living in, in New York and Connecticut. Yeah. Shit like that. It's not really a thing out here. Who knows um, if that place is going to reopen, man, you know? Right. Well, you, you think, okay, there's a diner out here, Swingers, that's been around forever. We used to go there uh, before we even lived in L.A., like on, on tour. We usually stay with Turner's brother, and we always end up swingers. And they're done. It's closed, gone. Wow. Uh, uh, now there's talk that the Troubadour is in trouble. Oh, man. 
that might not reopen. And uh, that's really devastating, man. I mean, I've played and seen great shows there. And the thought that, like, at such a legendary venue, just gone. Yeah. You, you think it can't happen. Then you think, well, God, you know, a lot of legendary venues uh, close. You know, the Rat in Boston, CBGBs. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it can happen. And it's it's going to be weird. It's going to be, you know, it's sad. But, you know, fuck, what can you do? I mean, the only thing I can think of is, like, some restaurants obviously aren't going to make it. But, like, when when things eventually get to a point where people can go out to eat again someone's going to buy that space and open up another restaurant you know what i mean it's like yeah i don't know yeah, they're gonna open a burger king there though yeah i mean people not most people don't want that though i mean i don't know i don't know about most people but there's a lot of people that don't want to eat a burger king you know they want to eat at a right. legit like spot you know and uh hey by the way did yeah. you see that uh there's you're, you're talking with a troubadour there was a documentary about the uh sunset grill I'm sorry, not the sun. Mm. What's, what am I? The rainbow, the rainbow, the rainbow grill next to oh. the Roxy. Oh, I, you know, I've only been there once, and that was because people from out of town wanted to go there. Yeah. Uh, what would you see that? Is that a, a Netflix thing? No, it's it's on uh, Prime. Oh, cool! I have Prime. Yeah. Um, oh, I'll check that out. I uh, I just watched the, the the Beastie Boys documentary. Did you see that? I did. Uh, what do you think of that? I loved it. It was an interesting way to present a documentary. Uh, it was fun. It was funny and, you know, a little sad. I was actually a lot sad at the end. But I really appreciated that they didn't do a standard documentary, that you just had the two remaining members of the group up there talking, telling the story with photos and in the background. And I was there for all that stuff, for the beginning of, of Death Jam and, and um, the Beastie Boys and their rise to, to this huge sensation that they were. And then I remember when Hey Ladies came out and it kind of landed with a thud. Uh, no one really got what they were doing. Everyone thought they were done, down to the count. And Check Your Head comes out. And uh, I think I was a sophomore in high school at that point, well into punk rock. But everyone was playing that, that tape. Everyone had it. any party you went to, and any group of people, they were all really into it. It was one of the biggest comebacks uh, I'd ever seen. So it was cool to, to see that all again, kind of relive it. And I miss the Beastie Boys, man. I wish there was still a thing. Yeah, what did I, you think? I, I thought it was. A, I, I wasn't that into it. I mean, I liked the uh, content. But I, I wasn't really on board with the way that it was presented, really, with the onstage, you know, thing and huh. the teleprompter and, like, all that kind of stuff. And uh, the one thing that was really funny about it was um, that was the same theater that I saw Sigur Rós play in uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, Oh, really? Yeah, I, I was uh, assigned to write a piece about the show for uh, one of the websites that um, – I used to write for back then. And uh, mm. so I, you know, I got, I got to, you know, I got in for free and whatever. And um, it's funny. Cause uh, such a, what's that? Uh, so I was going to say such a boring live band, but go I, on. I thought the live show was kind of cool. They had a bunch of stuff on stage, you know, like a different, like, uh, you know, visuals and stuff, you know, but yeah, 
when I thought the first thing I noticed was like how many like it was just a sea of fucking white people, man, at that Sigur Rós show. <laughs> and I was because yeah. it was around the time when people were starting to talk about like like metal and like black metal being um, not being diverse, you know. And it's like right, right, right. Part of me was like, man, I mean, what, who the fuck wrote this? It's like you, when you go to like see like uh, like Marduk or Mayhem or Watain or anything like that. There's like at least around here, there's like a really broad group of spectrum of different types of people that go to those shows. But mm. if you go to fucking see Sigur Rós, it's like all <laughs> white people with like maybe a couple of Asians in there. And that's it. I didn't see any, any people of color at the show at all, except yeah. for the people working at the venue. You know? I, yeah. I never used um, to give a fuck about anything like this until that moment in time when people started criticizing how like everyone that likes black metal is like a Nazi or something like that, you know? I was unaware of that. Uh, oh, yeah. I had a similar experience when I saw uh, The National at the Hollywood Bowl. Like, I felt like I was in a library or a Starbucks or something. Yeah. It was, it was fucking terrible. Such a yeah. boring show. But uh, anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Same well, that, that Beastie Boys uh, thing had the same sort of vibe in the crowd. I don't know. They, they would show the crowd and it would be like all white people and all like very specific huh. types of white people. You know, like these like whites, whites that have like beards and, uh, you know, like, um, you know, the fucking beard is like, I don't, I don't know, man. It's like I, I the beard. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I'm fucking done with, I'm done with beards, dude. It's like, uh, why? Like, is it, I don't get the beard, you know? I mean, I know people have had beards yeah. their whole lives, but it's like, it's like this thing now where it's been a thing for a while, but it's like white people with beards and glasses. And that's pretty much the crowd that when they pan the crowd and uh, people like Ben Stiller and stuff like that were, were the BC boys thing. Right, yeah. I didn't quite catch that about the crowd, but yeah, that makes sense. I, I, you know, one thing uh, that kind of surprised me was Public Enemy wasn't mentioned once in that documentary, I, I don't think. I was going to bring that up too, man. They talked about uh, Run DMC, but they didn't talk about PE. And I'm just like, how the fuck do you not talk? They, they were like, they had that big tour they did together. Right, and like, I, I think Public Enemy is probably the best rap group of, of all of all time yeah no, I mean, they I kind agree. of started together yeah and it just seemed weird to not not include them in some way and i mean it did legit like you kind of forget that bc boys were like a real rap group like people in the rap scene dug them they were, yeah. you know yeah they weren't like some pop sensation so i i thought that was that was strange well the thing you, you bring up about. about the thing you bring up about pe too is like the same way that um like the Beastie Boys were like white guys who played rap music and sort of, uh, you know, were like an outreach in a way between different cultures, like the punk culture, punk, hardcore punk and like rap. The public enemy were like black dudes very much ingrained in like hip hop culture, but they reached over yeah. into like punk and hardcore metal. You know what I mean? And yeah. Both of those groups together kind of like, uh, I think, broadened the appreciation of both styles of music amongst different cultures that might not have necessarily been aware of each other. 
you know, I think that like, like more so public enemy was what was, was what got me more into like listening to hip hop back then, because I was like, Oh wow, this is like, you know, this is like, it's not just like uh party, party music. There's, it's like Metallica, like back in the eighties, Metallica's songs were about like politics and war and shit like that. And, you know, like PE to me was like, um, you know, kind of, I hate using the term, I hate using Metallica as an example, but you know, PE <laughs> was like, kind of like the, uh, the harder edge, like they had, they had more, um, like bigger themes, you know, they had like, uh, kind of like a higher level of, uh, of, of objectives in what they were trying to do. They had like this political bent, bent. It was very much like this kind of punk rock kind of vibe with some of their stuff. You know their commentary on oh, sure. yeah. society, and that's what got me interested more in uh, in hip hop was PE. You know, and the Beastie Boys were like I never really took them that seriously until uh, actually I thought Paul's Boutique was an awesome record. That's when I really started it is. checking them out. It is, it is, but at the time, like that. I mean, I think the license ill sold millions of copies for sure, and I think when Paul's Boutique came out initially, like it went gold. Or, which was considered a huge flop, and I think people were expecting like a, a party record, and yeah. it was just this uh, this dense, uh, heavy heavy samples, and like and no one knew what to make of it. It wasn't like a lot of, you know, there, there wasn't like a party record. It, it was a grand artistic statement that people didn't get. I mean, they get it now. I, I, you can't go. You can't talk about the BC Boys when people don't say, you know, Paulson takes their best album to Master Beast, but no one was saying that at the time. Everyone had kind of written them off. Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely aware of that, you know, but it was like, I mean, I, I had License to Ill uh, just because yeah, it was like, did, I think. yeah, I mean, when I, I got it when it came out because it was like this kind of derelict record, you know, it's like, yeah. it's like I remember that, that when it, the year it came out, I would listen to, um, you know, like Gangrene, you know, Alcohol and, and, mm-hmm. And uh, Beastie Boys, um, you know, licensed to ill. They were like, it would it would be played at the house I was living at. You know what I mean? Like, it would be the kind of vibe right. that you know people would sit around and in the living room, and like that's the kind of music that would be on like that year. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And, um, uh, you know, I dug yeah. it. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um... And then, yeah, they did it. Check your head. Like, when that came out, like I said, man, that that reached over every boundary there was. Like, I was a total punk kid, but I was like, man, this is this is cool. And you can go to see a Beastie Boys show, and people are fucking slam dancing and stage diving and shit. Yeah. And um, it was great. And I got to say, man, uh, MCA might be the first, like, famous, like, musician that, that, that passed away that really hit hard. It was really sad to wake up and see that news yeah and he was man. a young guy too man you know yeah he was 46 at the, or so around the time of his death yeah at the time he died like he that. was in his 40s i think yeah yeah man that's that was a rough one but i appreciated that documentary um i like everyone else i watched the tiger king um uh, documentary and i i found the bc boys one infinitely better yeah. Um, uh, did you Ti- see that? You saw that, right? I think Tiger you talked King? about it. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I had no choice but to watch that. It was on when I was, before I moved. And, uh, yeah. Mandatory viewing, apparently. Yeah. I, I, on my, if I was living by myself at that time, 
I probably would not have watched it, honestly. I mean, there's really? a, there's a lot of stuff that uh, takes precedent over watching that, and yeah, I don't know, man. I just that shit. It's like I love. I'm an animal lover, and I know I know you are too, you know. And it's like, but I just I just don't want to like see cats. like fuck. I love. I mean, I love cats, so yeah, I, I just don't want to see that, you know. And and on top of it. Who fucking cares about this guy? You know what I mean? I don't give a fuck about this like fucking redneck meth guy. You know, I just don't care. There's that one guy with all. I saw like the, you know that was that one dude with all the affliction stuff. That was kind of funny. You know that guy. Yeah, yeah. Everyone just seemed like so shady, except for like some of the guys that worked there. Like there was that one the guy with clutch shirt. <laughs> yeah, that guy. That guy looked cool, man. It looked like yeah. some dude that I would have like would have been in the crew of like a band that we toured with or something like that. You know what I mean? That's exactly what I was thinking. Like, Oh, this guy might be like the, you know, fucking guitar tech or something. Yeah. Yeah. He's like a sound guy some, or something some like band. that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. He had more of a sound guy vibe for sure. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and there was like another I, I episode thought, that came out too, I think. Right. Yeah, there was, um, I, I didn't watch it, but, uh, yeah, you know, for one thing, like, you could have told that story in, like, a two, two-and-a-half-hour documentary. I think it went on too long. And, it, yeah, I think everyone involved with it was creepy. Like, it had this weird culty vibe. There's this weird cult vibe going on in, like, the, in, in that community. It's very weird. Like, like, uh, like they were all, like, uh, polygamists or, like, swingers. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, right, grooming. Yeah grooming people to be in this like cult <laughs> it was so fucking weird i was like i don't know why anyone's enamored with this guy he's kind of a piece of shit yeah, and totally. in the end like i mean there's, there's people who think that guy is was railroaded or whatever he belongs where he is i, I have no sympathy for him um yeah. but there's like this trend of like these like docu-series like, i saw one another one uh mcmillions on hbo and it's an interesting subject, but you don't need a five-hour, six-hour documentary. I think that story could have been told again in, in like two hours. Probably right. I didn't see that one though. What what yeah. other stuff? Uh, seen... I'm sorry. Go ahead. But what? Uh... Oh no no no! Go, go ahead. What, what were you gonna ask? I was gonna ask you like what other stuff you've been watching during this whole uh, uh, thing here. We're still enduring. Well, uh, I've been, you know, watching a lot. <laughs> Usually, like a movie. A day, sometimes two. First thing I'll mention is uh, I rewatched a bunch of the Friday the Thirteenth movies because it has been, you know, at least a decade and longer since I've seen those movies. And um, I gotta say, it's an unpopular thing, but I don't like them. Mm. Mm -hmm. I think they're junk. They're complete trash. Uh, I, you know, you like I, I get the nostalgia. When I was a kid, Jason was scary. Uh, those movies were very rural-looking. looked like where I grew up. Actually, part two was filmed in Connecticut. Oh, yeah? What, what um, part? That, I don't remember. But it was uh, not at, around anywhere I live. But, um, you, know, and I, you know, I went to summer camps and things like that. So, yeah, Jason was scary. But seeing it as an adult, um, it really realized the movie's it just exists as a vehicle to show kills. Like there's no characters, there's no plot, it's not really any story. It's like these little vignettes where you hang out with people for five minutes and then they're killed. And then in the end, 
the final girl gets Jason. Rinse and repeat, same thing through and through. Um, and it was like, man, I was talking to several different people, like, oh, eight's the worst, this is the worst. But like a lot of them really were like indistinguishable to me. Yeah. Like I, I can't remember what kill happened in what movie. Um, did there you is like, like the a little trilogy. One, did you like the first one? I think the first one, yeah, is is definitely the the best, and seems like it was like a real movie where the rest just seemed like cynical, like oh, we'll make this on the cheap, throw it out there, and people will go see it. It's sort of like the attitude of like the remakes of the early two thousands, the same sort of idea, like oh, this is name recognition, we'll make this for for cheap, we'll get some shitty video director to make it, and people will go see it. And that's kind of what those movies seem like. There's no artistry to them at all yeah i i was never a big uh friday the 13th fan I, I i didn't even really i mean i watched the first one when i was a young kid and but that's not that's not my go-to 80s slasher guys jason Voorhees. i'm i i prefer michael myers like the halloween the first few right. halloweens i thought were really good actually and then i fell off well the fir- yeah the first one's a yeah the first one's a great movie yeah uh the second one's okay I don't hate it. I don't love it. The third one. Season of the Witch. Yeah. I mean, again, nostalgic reasons. I think I love that movie. Uh, Everything after that's garbage. I really enjoyed Season of the Witch. I thought that was good. Yeah. 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 It was great. But four, five, the one with Buster Rhymes, (laughs) those are all fucking terrible. And um, people seem pretty split on the David Gordon Green Halloween from a few years back. I really really enjoyed it it was it had some pretty big flaws but overall i i loved it i i have mixed feelings about that one but um i generally i think i'm i'm like neutral on it you know what i mean mm, yeah yeah but i, uh, I love I'm a the big first David one Gordon though, Green man. fan yeah yeah the, the first um, one's a classic for me honestly yeah, absolutely. I was more of a Freddy kid. Like, I loved Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Uh, those movies, I think, are the next series I'll go back and revisit, even though I think pretty much after three, they're they're really atrocious. Which is the one but, that's um, like, uh, it's like super homoerotic. Like, what's which one is oh, like the two. second or third? Yeah, that one's, that one's that's a really the good one. one. Yeah, that's... Yeah. It is. It's creepy. It, it's and, definitely uh, you know, it, it has things that the Friday the 13th series doesn't have, like characters, plot, reasons for things are happening. Um, but yeah, it, it was fun to revisit that a little bit, you know, watch one in the morning while the sun's coming up. Um, what else? Watching, uh, watch a lot of stand-up comedy in the, uh, you know, times pretty heavy so you watching something a little bit lighter can can, can help um i watched the new louis ck special sincerely how is um, that? it was great there's no denying i think maybe him and dave Chappelle are the two greatest living stand-up comedians uh i mean obviously there's a lot of controversy surrounding him and the special and the debate whether you should watch it or not. Uh, I thought it was worth seeing, but if someone feels like they can't support him or anything he does 
know, I, I totally get it. There's no way you can really argue with someone about that. I, I don't know, man. I, I, I think that if, uh, I mean, do I think that uh, Louis C.K. is a creep? Yeah, sure. Do I think that yeah. most people that are stand-up comics are creeps? Probably. You know, I mean, right. I mean, that's the thing, man. It's like I'm not going to like reject his entire career because he he's a creep. You know, I mean, I like I li- right. I listen to Gigi Allen records. You know, I have a Gigi right, Allen. I wear, to, I wear yeah. Gigi Allen T-shirts and I own Gigi Allen records. So what? He's not. He's not. He's a creep. He's done some terrible things. You know, it's like yeah. How I'm not going to be so fucking grasping at my pearls that I can't appreciate uh, Louis C.K. And also, when when does he, like, get forgiven for anything, you know? It's like, I don't know. It's like, uh, it, you can't, uh, I would be, it, I would be very careful about how far deep I look into some of our favorite artists' lives, personal lives. You know, anyone yeah, out there I who listens to- Yeah, I think everyone's got a skeleton or two. Yeah, man, fuck. They're saying people that are condemning uh, Louis C.K., are probably fans. I mean, I know some, there's a lot of women out there that are like fans of Motley Crue. Right. I know, mm, I know several yeah. that to this day, still now they've seen the, the one of the farewell Motley Crue uh, tours. Right. Mm-hmm. So how, how are you going to like support Motley Crue? Right. And then call Louis CK a misogynist and say that he can't perform anywhere. You know what I mean? Right. How are you going to do that? You can't. You know, and I think everyone has a right to, to make a living and, and, and do what they do. Uh, some people think he wasn't gone long enough. Again, like, you know, I, I'm not going to argue. You think he's a creep. You don't want to support his work. You know, fine. But, yeah, a lot of artists, musicians, writers, all like, I, I think the arts just attract fucked up people who do fucked up things. I, I 100% agree, you know. I mean, fucking hey, man. Vince Neil, like basic manslaughter that, that dude from <laughs> yeah. fucking hanoi rocks you know what i mean razzle from hanoi yeah. rocks it's like yeah i that read did, that book yeah yeah i mean you know and, and oh yeah well, if, if you read that book then you've seen all the other dark shit they've done to women right yeah but i, I can i'm not yeah, gonna name it, names but there's women out there that might even be listening to this show that will rep motley crew and will not support Louis C.K. And I'm just like, double standard, you know? I'm not mm-hmm. saying you should rep him, but I'm not saying that you shouldn't. I just mean that you got to be consistent. And I also don't think that you should, you should take the guy's livelihood away because he did something that you think is fucked up, you know? Yeah, and I mean, he's definitely still like, you know, I mean, had that never happened, that special would be on Netflix to show Mike something on TV. He's yeah. definitely affected by this but uh it was funny i laughed a lot uh i'm glad i saw it another movie i watched that was the subject of some controversy I'm curious if you've seen this was a uh, rambo last blood i started watching it and i just got bored and i turned it off i watched something uh, else well yeah. <laughs> you missed the best part <laughs> i'm sure yeah that movie was complete nonsensical trash but I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy watching it. The last 20 minutes is just bloodbath. And it's actually 
well well made, but the movie that precedes it is just fucking nonsensical stupidity. Is it like xenophobic uh, at all? Like, is it like real racist or something? Or it definitely has that element, you know, because he takes on the cartel and they're all pretty like cartoonishly evil, <laughs> one-dimensional uh, characters. But everyone is one. I mean, it's I don't even know how it's a Rambo movie. Like he's kind of it feels like he's playing a different character. And, uh, it's just deeply silly. Everything is a plot device, or there's no real characters. Uh, you know, people appear in the movie and then uh, for a scene, and then they're gone. You ask them, how the fuck did that happen? Uh, it, it's kind of a cheap, shoddy movie too. And you just a car- kind of character like Rambo. You you expect a little bit more, and instead you get this like hour and twenty five minute movie, like movie that looks like it looks kind of cheap. And you slap the Rambo name on it, like. But I mean, it was fun to watch. Just something like fun to watch with your friends and just ask, "Why is this happening? Why is that happening? Uh, who cares?" <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I plan I'm, on revisiting it definitely. Yeah, it's worth it for the last twenty minutes for the final showdown. Um, that's when it gets real Rambo-y. I, I reckon those movies aren't. Aside from the first one, those movies aren't very good. But uh, you know, I grew up in the '80s, so I have a soft spot for. For the Rambo movies, I like that real brutal one that came out about ten or fifteen years ago. That's like uh, oh four, yeah. That one was sick, man. It was like that was like an exploitation film. You know what I mean? It was like a fucking grindhouse movie almost. Yeah, absolutely. Like I remember talking to, to Selden. Do you know Selden Hunt? Do you, do you a little bit. Him? I don't know him well, yeah. but I know, I know Selden Hunt. Yeah. I remember, he saw it before me and was like, "Oh, it's like watching an Italian horror film." Yeah. And and when I saw it, I was like, I totally get what you're saying. I mean, like fucking babies on fire and people just getting their limbs getting blown off by that by machine guns and shit. It was fucking nuts. But yeah, it was a Rambo movie, though. You know, this one didn't didn't feel like one at all. But yeah, uh, you know, I I don't I I'll probably revisit it just because like what else do I got to do really? You know what I mean? Is there's like other right. You know, I'm I'm working at home. I don't fucking I haven't left yeah. my apartment my in like three days. So, um, you know, it's yeah. like I got plenty Same. of food. You know, I got work to do, and then at night I'll read and like watch movies. So, you know. yeah, I on the weekends I'm I'm home. Like I go to work, I come home. That's all I do. Yeah. So like I I've had ample time to watch. Lots of stuff, and I, I know you've seen this one. I mentioned it a little bit earlier, The Invisible Man. Yeah, um, I think I was like during the when Stay at Home first happened, I was like just hungry to watch new stuff, and I think that was that was the first one I watched, first 2020 movie. Um, that was in theaters that you know all of a sudden was on on demand. Uh, what did you think of that? I liked it generally, but uh, yeah, there, there was some stuff in there. I don't know if I, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, I, I, um, I think it was like an interesting yeah. take on it. There was like some, uh, some like wokeness in there that I thought was like a little weird. And, uh, I don't know. It's funny that I'm like, so, so sensitive to shit like that. It's like, I don't know, man. I just, I, I, could, I feel like I am too, but then not, nothing in it where it took, took, oh, well, I didn't, I didn't find any of it like pandering or out of place. Uh, it didn't, that, it did that element didn't bother me at all um i i, I hate some other things did well, what bothered you about it 
Well, I mean, there was a lot of weird, glaring plot holes. Yeah. Like, um, how did he fake his own death? How did, you know, that was sort of glossed over. Um, and then like an hour and I loved the first hour. I loved it. I thought the opening scene was masterfully done. Uh, I, I didn't expect something that good from the guy who wrote the Saw movies, put it that way. Right. And I love how it slowly built the tension. You have a lot of like, wide shots where seemingly nothing's happen, happening. So you're looking real close for something. I thought it was great. I was so into it. And then right around at the hour mark at the scene where she's most spoilers in the uh, mental institution is when the movies got absolutely silly for me. Yeah, and, I agree uh, with that. Yeah. She's locked up in her cell. And he's in there with her. What was his plan? Like, stay there all night? Because he's locked in there, too. And she doesn't outsmart him, really, so much as, like, use his, like, murder spree in the hospital to escape. Like, she didn't, like, have a plan. That element kind of bothered me. And it just turned into an action film. Like, and, and all that great setup and tension was just out the window. Uh, and then there's a huge plot hole in the end where she... Spoiler, she kills him, and uh, the cop just lets her go. Yeah. After, like, 911 is called. Okay, so 911 is called, and the, the girl like the girl who called has left the scene. It, it was a strange ending. It, it didn't, it didn't, like, I, I just didn't stick the landing. Like, I really enjoyed it, but, like, it just, it went from, like, an A to, like, a B <laughs> because of those weird inconsistencies. Yeah, I mean, I remember thinking it was a pretty novel idea when I saw it originally. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, because I mean, the original uh, Invisible Man was kind of a piece of shit, too, you know. God, and, well, you mean the one from the, was it the 40s that, was, yeah, that came out? 50s? Yeah, like he was kind of a piece of shit. It's been shit. a long time, and, yeah. And then this new guy is a piece of shit, you know, and then there's, but it was obviously the movie focused on, his, it was more of his, his wife's story, you know. Than uh, right, the story right. about the Invisible Man. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's cool. Call it maybe call it something else. I don't know. Maybe have a different name for it because I think that's the thing I react to the most with a lot of these reimaginings of classic yeah. characters, like these, um, you know, more uh, <laughs> socially aware, uh, gender sensitive. Uh, culturally sensitive reimaginings of old characters. It's like, I, I get why people would want to be moving into this like more um, illuminated world, but also, okay, great. Make some new stories that incorporate more illuminated characters that are more diverse and express different parts of our society. And I feel like it's exploitative in a way because instead of developing brand new characters, they just take old characters and then because they don't want to take a chance on a new character and they would mm. rather reimagine an old character in a new way where it appeals right. more to this like culture of, you know, whatever. And that, that started with Marvel comics like a few years ago. And I was like, man, what the fuck, man? It's like, you got a different, you know, there's like a, different Thor there's like a different um Spider-Man and all this stuff and I'm like 
you know, maybe kill Spider-Man and maybe, you know, kill, kill Peter Parker if you want. And then have a brand new character mm-hmm. that is a different character, as have a different name. But no, they want to take the, you know, the, the property that they have and scramble it up and turn it into something else. You know, you're talking about the actual comics, right? the actual comic books. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, uh, you know, now in them. movies, there's this thing of, OK, well, we're going to like make, you know, the Wolfman's going to be a trans transgender uh, person now or you know what I mean? Like, which is right. like, I, I think it's great that we can focus on the different types of people that exist in the world with us. But I just don't like when they just take an old thing and make it new. And it's, it seems very, right. uh, very um, patronizing to me. Cause, you know, that's the word that comes to mind, you know, mm. and I, I, don't, well, I, don't, for, I don't care for that, you know. Right. Well, for me, I, it's, it's good. It's good. Um, I think you could have made that exact same movie and you could have probably called it something else. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, but I mean, it, but since it's called Invisible Man, I, I thought it was a cool take. I would have also maybe enjoyed a more straightforward remake, but I liked that yeah. it was like we're going to do our own like thing. Like obviously, um, there was a vision for this one. I liked it, man. It, it was a good movie. It, it, that could have been great. I'm not um, even that big on I, remakes, honestly. I I just I kind of like get really suspicious whenever I see something being remade. Me too, but like again, I'm not against it. I I am if it's good, it's good, and you know that's always been my philosophy but yeah you're right like the lack of original ideas uh is, is troublesome i think you saw this one too uh the lodge oh my god that was great i loved it that was amazing man one one last great, thing great movie. I, I just want to say one thing because just so people nope. don't think i'm like a you know sex <laughs> sexist fucking racist pig out you know existing in the world i just recently read a book called the reddening which is uh written by adam neville and um, great book, two strong female lead characters. And it, I wasn't beaten over the head with it. You know what I mean? It, they were like complicated females that were the leads that were propelling the story forward. And they weren't just like butched up versions of women that are supposed to be kicking ass like men. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, they, they developed... The, the female characters and they, they were they weren't just like all right we're women but we're gonna like kick ass it's like they had complex um you know emotional responses and and you can see it was very realistic i thought in, the, in some of the responses right. to the situations that they dealt with you know it wasn't like the which that- I, I still haven't seen the black christmas remake but it was like well, you know, we're not going to take it anymore. We're like these tough bitches and we're just going to fucking fuck up guys. You know, it's like it wasn't that at all. And I, that's what I respond to is that kind of like foolishness, right. I think, you know. Well, you should watch Birds of Prey then. I think you're really going to like it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, and, um, and I, I, I have mad, I have nothing but respect for, for women, even even women who kick ass. You know, it's like, I mean, I... I yeah. You know, like in, I've been tapped by women, like in jujitsu. I don't have a problem with that. You know, I don't have any. Yeah. I, I think it's fucking awesome. I train with women. You know, I, I think it's great. I just don't like being beaten over the head and manipulated, and which is what I think a lot of media does. Like the um, the Twilight Zone 
re- reimagining by uh, what's his name? Um, Jordan Peele. I've been told by everyone that that's awful. It's fucking abysmal, man. And I like him better as yeah. a funny. I like him better as a funny man. I wish he'd stay out of horror, honestly. Uh, yeah. I quite like the Get Out. I didn't care for us. I like Get Out. Um, I thought Get Out was awesome, actually. Yeah, I like that one a lot. That that was like his only good fucking movie, though, in my opinion, as a yeah, horror uh, maker. I thought yeah. I thought Us was was really really bad. I was well. Maybe not really, but I, I, I thought it was a bit messy and muddled and then not really sure what it wanted to say. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't like that one. It had some great moments, though. And uh, again, like built up to something that just didn't, didn't work for me. The other thing I don't like, the, thing I, the one thing I took exception to and, and get out was how uh, he wrote the character of um, that, the younger guy, the white guy that was like uh, part of the family. The kind of unhinged oh. wild card dude. Yeah. He was talking, and, and, and I don't, why did he have to put this in there that the guy was like talking about training jiu jitsu? And I was just like, motherfucker. Like, first of all, <laughs> Brazilian jiu jitsu is not even like a white guy thing. It's like, it started in Brazil. Okay. And right. if you go to a fucking jiu jitsu academy, you get every type of person you could fucking imagine in a school. Like you go to train jujitsu. It's like black people, white people, like, like Latinos, men, women, all types of people, man. And it's like to, to paint this guy as like a jujitsu practitioner, I think was fucking stupid in my opinion. I mean, one of I, our I favorite guys, that. one of our favorite guys, you know, Eugene Robinson, big black dude. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Fucking brown Great, belt. I love I that guy. Brown belt. Jiu-Jitsu brown belt. You know? And it's like... Yeah, he put me in a headlock once, and I thought my head was going to just completely rip yeah. off. You know, and like in my experiences <laughs> in, in, in training, you know, there's like... Like I said, it's never been just like this white thing or anything like that. As a matter of fact, I, I oftentimes find myself to be like in the minority of, of people culturally. Not like I mm. really give a fuck about that. I just... You know, I just think that I get it, you know, white people. Cool. You know, you guys. <laughs> but I, I also take exception when it gets really specific about certain stuff. And I just think that like just like everyone thinks MMA is like a white guy thing. It's not. You know, right. Right. Um, side, side note, I, I sat next to that actor who played that guy at a bar oh, once. Yeah? And I thought he was a homeless. I thought he was a homeless guy. <laughs> <laughs> Very fucking weird vibe to him. Um, but, uh, the lodge, uh, it kind of came when, uh, I think it came out in March or I'm sorry, uh, February. Yeah. Uh, to not, I mean, I know it played like the festival circuit the year before. That's sort of how I heard about it. But, uh, this is such an underappreciated film, man. Like it, it's got such a very cold European feel to it i don't know if you saw the directing duo's previous film good night mommy yeah i saw that but it has a very similar vibe bit, yeah yeah totally and even in content you know like you're not really sure what's happening until the very end you're not sure who's you can trust who's it is an unreliable narrator situation like mm-hmm. it's a very similar movie but this one man it's just beautifully executed. It looks great. It's a slow burn to an ending that uh, really got under my skin. Yeah, the ending was very unsettling. Definitely. I think yeah, I might buy this one, thing, actually. 
yeah, the whole thing was unsettling. You're, you're not sure where your allegiances lie throughout the whole movie. And until, until almost the very end, uh, out of everything I watched under quarantine, uh, that was by far my favorite. Yeah, and, and uh, Riley, Riley Kehoe is a great actress, too. I like her in this movie. She is, too, and like her sort of, like, you don't know if she's unraveling or, or, or not for a while. It, really good performance by everyone, too. The kids, kid, kid actors, is, you know, nine out of ten times are awful, and these two kids were fantastic. Wasn't the, uh, um, the boy I, in, uh, wasn't he one of the young kids in It or something like that? Let's say the actor. That's where I recognize. Yeah, that's yeah. where I recognize him from. I don't like those movies. I thought it chapter two was the one of the worst movies of last year. I like the first and one. The first, I, I didn't like the second. Uh, one. I thought the first one was mediocre. I was, was very disappointed with it. Um, another surprise I, I had written down. This is by no means a great movie, but for a PG thirteen horror movie released in January. That was shot two years prior. It was way better than it had any business being, and that was uh, Underwater. Oh, dude, I fucking hated that movie, man. Oh, my God. I was so <laughs> disappointed in that movie, dude. Yeah, uh, I, I was yeah. really looking forward to it, man. I was, like, really looking forward to that movie. And because it sounded cool. Like, it was, like, you know, under these creatures underwater. It's, like, you know, this claustrophobic sort of vibe. The trailer looked good. Um, you know, I, I like, I think Kristen, Kristen Stewart's a really, really good actress. I enjoy, you know, seeing her yeah. acting films. Um, you know, and, and you ever and see like, personal, uh, personal shopper. Yeah. She was great in that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. Um, um, sorry, she's in ahead. her underwear a lot in this movie too, which is kind of cool. Um, I, I noticed that. Yeah. It's like, it's, I always thought that was, I think that's kind of funny where it's like, it's like. Would she really be that scantily clad in a scenario like that? Yeah, I don't, that, think, that's, I don't uh, think so, man. I think she'd be wearing like some sort of utilitarian like like overalls or something, you know? She seemed like a choice for sure. <laughs> it's like we're just um, gonna have shots of her ass and like her, you know, like her her bare like midsection and everything. And I'm just like, fuck, man. I mean, I'm not complaining, it was little, but yeah, you know, it was definitely a little bit on the nose, you know. Yeah, I, I thought the, the opening scene was, it looked kind of like frantic, and, and I was like, oh man, this is kind of silly. I, it's not a great movie, but I was, I liked the monster effect. I liked that, it was kind of a twist, spoiler alert, like it's basically Cthulhu, right? Well, that that's, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's a Lovecraftian I, underwater sort of thing that yeah. you could say is Cthulhu. You know, and yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I like I didn't realize that the movie was shot so long ago because I was like, why is T.J. Miller in this? Kind of, he's kind of been canceled. You know what I mean? Like, uh, his he kind of tanked his career a few years back. Oh, what happened? I don't, I like, which oh, guy was that? Who was he? T.J. Miller. He's a comedian. He was like, uh, well, he raped somebody. Everyone happened. No, well, he was accused of something in college, and then. Uh, he called in like some sort of like fake bomb. Like he was on the train with some woman, and he called nine one one saying she had a bomb, and uh, he ended up getting arrested for doing that. A lot of like 
sketchy behavior. You've seen him. He was in Cloverfield. He was but which guy, guy was he, though? He was the the sort of comedy like rel- the, relief guy, the, the, the comic relief? Yeah. All right. Yeah, I didn't know his yeah, name. Yeah, that guy. I, I didn't know what his name was, but I, I have seen him before, though, yes. Max is actually a really funny stand-up, but he seems like a kind of a fucked-up dude. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I was like, that's strange that he's in this. And I read, like, oh, wow, this was shot years ago and put on the shelf. So, again, you're just kind of expecting something really awful and this wasn't awful i'd say it was like a solid c i think that i built it up so much in my mind that it was going to be good and i uh i i was just completely disappointed i i ended up like looking at my phone like about halfway through the movie and uh yeah but one of my biggest criticisms is there's no there was no um there was no setting you know it just boom starts and like what, what are they doing down there? Like, what, what's, you know what I mean? Like, what is the point of any of the situation that they'd set up, you know? I don't know. It's a yeah, I, I, yeah, I couldn't tell you anything. I mean, it was completely forgettable. And uh, it's, you think Kristen Stewart and uh, what's that French actor's name? Oh, um, uh, yeah, that guy. He was in... Uh, Eastern Promises and uh, yeah, he's like the French yeah, Irreversible. Uh, it'll come. He's to like me. the French Vincent Gallo. <laughs> the French Vincent Gallo, yeah. I like that guy though. He's a um, good actor. Yeah, they. You know, you like. Oh man, it's Vincent like, Cassell. Like, Vincent Cassell. Yeah. Yeah. Like you know, like oh, this, this script attracted a pretty good cast. Let me ask you a question Why about Vincent this? Cassell real quick. Do you think I look like sure. him at all? Uh, that, no, no. <laughs> Someone told me that I look like Vincent Cassell, and, and I was—I never thought I did. But you know, like you never really know what you look like, you know. Right. People tell me that all the time. Tom Cruise, <laughs> Brad Pitt. I look just like those guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, like it had like legit actors in it, and but it, it makes you wonder, like, what did they see in this? Like, was the, the director's pitch like that good? I mean, I don't know. the fucking story could have been great, really. I mean, it, I think it had so much potential to be a cool story, like kind of like Alien or something like that. You know, yeah, Alien but, Underwater. But you know? Underwater with like tied into yeah. like the Cthulhu myth- mythos, you know, with like some occult sort of Lovecraftian shit going on. and um, Right. But it just didn't fucking deliver, man. Like they didn't build any of that up, you know. It was just basically... Uh, an adventure movie like underwater with like some weird creatures. And uh, I mean, there was definitely some good mm. points, you know, like when the guy blew up, like when he is depressurized, you know, and yeah. he walked through his like exploded body parts. Like that was kind of cool, you know, but right. It you didn't feel PG 13 either. It was a hard PG 13. I thought. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I felt like I was watching an R rated movie at certain points for yeah. sure. Uh, but yeah, like again, not a total waste of time like I was expecting. <laughs> like it was one of those things where I was like, I really just want to watch something I haven't seen before. So sure, I'll give this a shot. And was a little surprised that I didn't completely hate it. And it had a cool monster, and the effects didn't. The creature effects didn't look cheap to me. Like it, it obviously clearly CGI'd, but um, didn't look bad to me. I, that was a cool creature, cool-looking creature. I think that uh, a movie like that, because it was so there was so much shadow and stuff, um, and I know it's a lot cheaper to do CGI these days, 
really would have benefited from practical effects in some of the plots, some of the spots rather, you know, like if they, they should have yeah. built, built some creature suits or something, you know? Yeah. I, I always prefer practical. Uh, well, I, you know, it depends if it's done well, then I, you know, I don't care. Like I'm sure you've seen Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. Um, great movie. Uh, you know, all the stunts and stuff and the driving, that's all real but all the backgrounds are completely CGI enhanced, but you don't notice it. You you know what I mean? Right. Uh, Sicario is another movie with lots of CGI that you just don't even realize you're you're looking at a, something that isn't real, you know? Um, So if it's done well, I don't care, but yeah, practical is always, it's always more fun. You know, we grew up in that, in that era. And, uh, well, the next, the last movie I have on the list is filled with practical effects, and it's a, it's a rewatch. I saw this in the theater at that Beyond Fest, and uh, it's uh, VFW by Joe Begos. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yep, that was a good one. I saw that a uh, while ago. Yeah, it, it was fun to see in, in, in a packed theater at a festival. People are drinking, um, and it was it was a really really good time. People like laughing and cheering. And that was such a great experience. I was like, oh, you know, and it's been a while since I've seen it. And I was like, oh, I, I wonder how this plays on the small screen, just two people watching it. And it was great. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I'm really excited for anything Joe does. Uh, I can't wait to see what he does next. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that one. I, I think I bought that on, uh, yeah, I do. I actually own, I own a digital copy of it. It's really cool. Nice. Yeah, and the acting's really great. The effects are great. It's a fun movie. You know, you feel like you're watching something that came out in 1985. It has that look and feel to it. And the actors are all believable in their roles. So there's really nothing negative I can say about that movie. I, I liked it a lot. I got to put you on hold for a second. I'll be right back. Sure. Sorry about that. Just the, no, no to, worries. Yeah, to take a piss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's that's all. Any, anything you wanted to mention? Anything you? Yeah, watched I watched. Uh, the, about? I watched the Wretched. By uh, that was like one of your. Oh uh, yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, one of one of your recommendations, and uh, did I, I recommend it? Like you did. You should watch this. This is good. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It was all right. It was. Um, that's that's what was, I thought about it though. It was all right. Yeah. Uh, there are things about it I thought were really cool. Um, they didn't go far enough with some of the story, you know, lines. I think, you know, like the, the actual, uh, creature and I don't know. I, I, 
it could it could have had more of like this kind of like pagan like a cult like vibe to it it really it really like lent itself to that you know and i think that they right. kind of they should have developed more of the lore behind the creature you know and like what it mm-hmm. actually is mm-hmm. and that, i mean that's just a personal thing and uh well yeah yeah you know and i um, but in general i thought it was pretty cool there's a lot of good moments in there where i was like ah you know it was like very very creepy sure uh, yeah, I felt like it was a, I was watching a coming of age movie with like horror overtones. Yeah. Um, like yeah, at some point during the movie, I kind of forgot I was watching a supernatural movie, like, you know, the scene at the party. Um, so it felt like a mismatch of, of ideas and, uh, you know, having an indie rock song play over the opening credits <laughs> kind of gave it a lighter tone than, than like that of a, like a, a horror movie. I just, it's identity was was mixed up like it didn't really know what it wanted to lean on the horror more or, or lean on like you know this this, this kid's summer at, at an important age uh, but yeah like overall pretty good you know I, I don't think i'd ever watch it again or like uh, it's not destined to be a classic or anything definitely but, not going to watch you know. it again um yeah there was a documentary on uh prime um called boiled angel it's it's about mike diana the comic artist that's uh are you oh, familiar with that? oh okay a little bit yeah yeah in the early 90s i think i think it was early 90s it was um he was like uh convicted of like obscenity charges for this comic book right, he was yeah. doing called boiled angel and uh i mean it's i, I can appreciate his art, but it's not something I, I'm not that into that super, like, you know, misanthropic, like, you know, brutal stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, I mean, I can, I, like I said, I appreciate it, but it's not something that would be a steady diet of, uh, my comic reading It's something that he he was doing, sure. but he's, he's, he was in Florida and he was involved in this very, uh, it was a big deal about his, um, his case with obscenity. And, um, right. It was a really well done documentary. Uh, Jello Biafra was like the narrator, and there's, you know, Neil Neil Gaiman's in it as uh, you know, they interview him about the the case and everything. It's, it was pretty cool. It was a good documentary for sure. Oh, I have to check that out um, for sure. A lot of good, like a lot of documentaries popping up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, I've always been a fan of docs. So. Yeah. It's interesting that you'd have Jello Biafra narrate anything because the guy's the most annoying voice on the planet. <laughs> I agree, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm not a fan of his at all, really. I mean, I like, I, I like Dead Kennedys, you know, but uh, sure. I don't know. He's just not that, like. It's funny, you know, like Ian MacKay and Jello Biafra are two people that everyone is has or has been infatuated with for all these years growing up. You know, if you're into punk rock music or whatever, I just never mm-hmm. really cared about either one of those guys, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I've never been a huge Fugazi fan. Me neither. I l- like them, but like I never went crazy about them. I saw them once and was just thoroughly annoyed the entire time. I just felt like constantly they were constantly stopping their set to yell at someone in a crowd of like fucking thousands of people. I, I just found that really obnoxious. And I understand people like act like idiots at shows and sometimes they need to get called out. Um, but this was like, this was just obnoxious. 
Yeah, um, I just never was into the togetherness of uh, the DC like vibe, the Discord thing. You know, I just it's never not it was never uh, something that I identified with really. Uh, some of it I liked a lot, and some of it, yeah, it just kind of didn't connect with me. Like I loved Shudder to Think when they were on Discord, uh, Jawbox, Bank uh, Hoover. Hate Ruin, those are all like really, really good bands. But yeah, the like, vast majority of it just, just had a vibe that I just didn't connect with. You know, Fugazi got to be this huge band. You don't really, when you get that big, it's harder and harder to control certain aspects of it. And, and you only charge $5 to get in, you know. <laughs> so yeah. fucking anyone can come see you, <laughs> you know. You're going to get some riffraff. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I kind of. Uh, Agree with that. Dead Kennedys were were cool. Not a huge fan. They're not like the as iconic to me as something like the you know the Misfits. Yeah. But uh, definitely liked them when I was a kid. Uh, I really loved Lard too. That project he did with Ministry. Yeah, I'm not even into that really, to be honest. And I, I and I like Al Jorgensen, but that's not even something yeah. I was not into really. Well, Ian McKay also did a project yeah, with Ministry. Palehead. Pale, Palehead. Yeah, I'm not into that, really. I liked that one quite a bit. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. I don't like the um, guy's voice. Really? No. Yeah, okay. Huh. I can see that. I liked him in Minor uh, Threat. Um, yeah. I like Rites of Spring. I thought they were great. And that's kind of like, you know, Beefeater I thought was cool. Yeah, I don't know. Not my, not yeah. my thing, really. Yeah. Hoover, Hoover was yeah, good. Yeah. Hoover was great. I, I kind of fell off. Uh, I, I don't know much about Fugazi past. Uh, well, Repeater is the one I was the most familiar with. That is, that's uh, a good record. Repeater is is a solid record, just in general. Like, yeah, as a, that's as a classic. A great record, but I just don't like the vibe. I don't like you know. Okay, well, you know, this is uh, if you're you know you you have to be this thing or that thing or whatever, and like it's too preachy, you know. It's like, what if, what right, if my yeah. life isn't like that? What if I have to like sell right. t-shirts to be able to fucking pay my rent at the end of the month? You know what I mean? It's totally like, agree with you. Totally. Like, fuck that. You know, like that guy happened to be in the right place at the right time with the right people around him in a scene that was fucking supporting what he was doing. And he was able to make a career out of it. So he can charge five bucks at a show and he can not sell t-shirts and all this stuff. And it's like right. that, that idealization that, that it's just not part of any reality that I've ever been part of, you know? I agree. I, the scene coming up in Connecticut at the time, I, uh, it was very self-righteous. Punk rock in general was, you know, the anti-major label. Um, the band signed to a major, you're like a variety, and you're done. Get out of here. You know, like, do you, I don't know if you were a huge Jawbreaker fan, but when they signed to a major, that might have been the biggest backlash I've ever seen. I, I fuck with Jawbreaker a little bit. They had some good songs. I wouldn't say that I'm well, like one a of my fan. favorite bands. Love yeah. them. Yeah, and I know. Yeah. I know you're a big fan of theirs. I I definitely like select records by them. And mm. uh, yeah, but the, the thing is, at the end of the day, a band like Jawbreaker, it's like, where do you go with that music? Though it's like it's it's so catchy and like a lot of a lot of people. There's like it's a they're basically writing pop songs, you know. And it's yeah. it's like so why not? allow them to get in front of like a real audience, like a big audience, you know, like a lot of people would enjoy that, you know? Yeah. I think people just feel ownership over those bands. Like when Green Day got signed, there was a huge backlash and 
I think everyone knows, like, oh, this is the end. Like, this is going to be huge. And it was. And all of a sudden, you know, your culture is, is in the mall and kids who used to beat you up are now fucking, like, dyeing their hair blue and shit. Well, I mean, that's the other it. side of things, too, for sure, you know. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I saw Green Day and Shelter play a long time ago. And uh, I thought they were pretty cool. You know, I, I never really owned any of their records. Like that, the Lookout Records thing wasn't really kind of like, wasn't really into a lot of that stuff. And, uh, yeah. you know, pop punk wasn't really kinda, a thing. Yeah, Lookout Records was a huge deal to me when I was a kid. Yeah. My first band played with, with Green Day at a VFW Hall. Oh, yeah. And uh, they were they were like rock stars before they were rock stars, you know what I mean? Even in like the punk scene, they were like, yeah, they were huge. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, no surprise. We're a huge success. But, I mean, yeah, the same uh, thing uh, with Nirvana uh, too, you know, it's, it was destined for that band to become like a major band in, in my opinion, you know, Nirvana. Yeah. You know, I honestly didn't know much about them before Nevermind came out. I, I wasn't really into the Seattle grunge scene at all. Um, didn't really cross paths with, with what I was into at the time. I mean, some of the bands like Soundgarden, obviously they, they were, they were huge before that. But, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't know too much about that world. No, nah, I, I liked Nirvana prior to their explosion, but I wasn't at what you would call a huge fan. Like I was way more into like, uh, Soundgarden and, uh, you know, Green River, uh, Skin Yard, mm. those bands like that. You know, I, I'm not even really yeah. that big into like the Melvins, honestly. I thought Tad was really cool. Oh, yeah, I, love know. The I know. Yeah, I know. I know. Everyone they're... loves the Melvins. I, I, I know. I understand. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, I only like up to Houdini, and I, I can't fuck with anything after that because it just—I feel like there became like a joke band or something. You know what I mean? Especially mm -hmm. when they had the uh, the two guys from. Uh, Big, Big business. business, yeah. This is I hate. I it. like those records. Nah, that's well, not interesting. For me. It's not for me. Uh, our our last tour is with that lineup of the Melvins. Yeah, last Isis tour. Yep. Uh, I, I really that. enjoyed it live. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> wait you, did you guys play any shows on those? Not on those. On the East Coast? No, we played the. You West were on the Coast West States. Coast with us and uh, Jacob. Yeah. Yep. That From was... New Zealand, great band. Was we also played in Texas too? So I don't know if it was a hundred percent West Coast, or was that a different tour that I was thinking about? Because we toured together yeah, a couple yeah, times. We, right? No, we didn't do. We did the East Coast with the Melvins and the West Coast. We didn't do anything in between, which well, unfortunate. It would have been nice to do one last Texas, one last Chicago show. But you know, what I was thinking about actually now it's coming back to me. There was a. Um, it was with uh, Pelican. It was Isis Pelican oh, right. and Tomb. So we played at uh, the old Emos. And uh, that tour, actually, and I'm not going to, you know, this might sound like, you know, whatever, but it's like that that was actually one of the high points of just my, 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 my life, really. I had a great time on that tour. I thought it was cool. You know, we, everyone, yeah. the vibe on that tour was, was really good. Uh, all three bands were really good friends, I felt like. And uh, that particular show, I was like, I remember because it's outside, you know. And mm -hmm. that was like one of the, my favorite sets I think I've ever seen you guys play. And I know that 
the wavering radiant record you guys played a lot of material from that some of that shit was like right you like hit like really hard like on that particular night i thought oh thanks we always have great shows in austin i've never had a a bad show i turned 30 uh uh, at emos (laughs) nice uh in, in 2006 yeah it was one of my favorite memories from being in the band yeah. Uh, when we came out to do an encore, our tour manager came out with a birthday cake. Oh, cool! Yeah, and um, yeah, and he got the Aaron got the crowd to sing Happy Birthday, and people were giving me drinks after the set. And this is when we were on tour with Tool. That was like a one-off show for us. So we were on the bus, and uh, it was a great moment. You know, I was like, "Fuck, I just turned 30 on tour with Tool, <laughs> stadiums and shit. This is surreal." Yeah, that must um, be awesome. Yeah, good. Yeah, good times. Always loved going to Austin. We played there uh, with Palms, like. Uh, 2014 or something like that. Uh-huh. It Mohawks, which is not uh, Mohawks, is set up like like the old emos, but it's nicer. Yeah, like it's much nicer. Um, yeah, miss that place. Yeah, Austin. Dallas cool. was a good show too on that tour. Remember that it was like some kind of theater, was it? I can't remember, but we had a really good show in Dallas on that tour. Remember that. One of the sickest shows I think we've ever played together. It might have been on that tour. Was in Toronto. There was like this fucking awesome venue, this great theater in Toronto that we played together, and that was like really cool time. I thought. Yeah, Toronto is always fucking great shows. Montreal always great. Montreal. Remember Vancouver? We were playing Vancouver with you guys in the last uh, <laughs> tour. That fucking like we were in like Junkie Town. Oh man, yeah, we played at the Rickshaw. That I played that place. Oh. As you can imagine, that's. Fucking, I've been there, I don't know, like 20 times in my lifetime in that fucking shithole part of town, man. It's funny. Yeah, it's oh, like my really God. That's the only grim. time I've been there. <laughs> you guys, you know, you guys operated on a little different level than we did. So we do. So it's like, you know, you guys have a, you know, a little, little different thing going on as far as like quality <laughs> of like fucking places and everything. But, um, yeah, but like everyone plays there though, right? I, I don't know, man. I know we've played there a bunch of time on, on a lot of like kind of these like tours, like these package tours and stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. the um, another great show was the Great American Music Hall in San Francisco. Yeah, I love that place. That was like really cool. That was like I felt like, uh, you know, I was in like Led Zeppelin or something like that that, that night. You know, it was great, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I had a great uh, time. That's another place I always have great shows. It's such a great venue, and like they also the people who own that own Slims, which I've, I'm sure you played before. Oh yeah, yep. Slims is awesome. Yep, definitely. Slims is I might like Slims better, uh, but th- those are two of my favorite venues to play. I I love love playing shows there. Well, yeah. same with uh, we only got to play there once. Well, the Doug Fur. Like our last oh, yeah. show in Portland. Yeah. I love that place. Yep. I was like, why haven't you been playing here every time instead of that fucking dump, the Hawthorne Theater? I hate that place. Yeah, the Hawthorne th- Theater kind of sucks. I don't, I don't really like that place either. Yeah. I don't like Portland. Portland's got a, I was just going to say, man, Portland <laughs> has such a fucking weird vibe, man. Like, yeah. Like, the, the, I feel uh, like people are still in danger of being beat up by like, like white supremacists there you know what i mean like it's got that peckerwood vibe to it oh yeah yeah definitely yeah M- but mixed with like ultra progressives and uh it's a weird fucking place man yeah i don't i don't I, I don't like portland at all honestly i don't think 
if we never went there again, I'd be like pretty pretty happy about that skipping uh, Portland and uh, you know not just going right. I mean, even Seattle. Like, I'm not a big fan of Seattle either, to be honest. Oh man, I love it. I, yeah. well, I love that place we played with you guys too. Uh, uh, <sighs> it's funny new, how quickly they forget all is this it shit. Numos. Numos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that place. I feel like people don't like us in the Northwest, honestly. I feel like uh, we don't really have a big fan base in, in uh, Oregon or uh, Washington State, and that our fan base picks up more in, like, California. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I remember watching you guys in Seattle. You guys were before us. And, like, obviously, I remember feeling. Guys. Yeah. Yeah, you guys. No, no, with Jacob, and then you, and then us. Yeah, right, and like, right. I thought it, it kind of almost felt like more people were watching Jacob. I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of odd. But so I agree with what you're saying. Like, <laughs> remember, like, I remember thinking too. I was like, this is kind of a dull crowd. This sucks. Yeah, there are some smaller um, towns though that we've played in Washington State and Oregon that are actually a lot cooler than those places. And um, for we, us, I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, whatever the fuck do i know about anything but like eugene no um i don't well, you know you guys man. played there with us too the we wow did. Hall. oh yeah 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 we did we did and Ugh. and we we played in eugene with crowbar too one time and uh it was funny huh. we played in this like pretty cool spot actually and uh during our set it was the same day that charles manson died okay mm. so like <laughs> i'm fucking we finished playing and some weird guy like rolls up to me. He's like, Hey man, it's like, uh, you're always writing about like Charles Manson and shit. And it's like, Charlie died during your set, man. And I'm like, no, he didn't. He died like at, you know, like two o'clock in the morning or something like that, man. I'm like, yeah. Was that weird guy, Steve, who came up to you, Steve Austin? No, I use the same voice though for a lot of, you know, <laughs> From weird, creepy Charles Manson things. Yeah, it was fun. Um, oh yeah, I, well, yeah. Sometimes you play those small, like uh, outside on the outskirts, of the, you know, or away from the big city, and uh, yeah, you get some, some strange people coming. Yeah, yeah. Things don't really like, pick up for us till we hit California. Like, like San Francisco's cool. Like L.A., San Diego. You know, it's like. I feel like that's like when when people uh, I feel like more people like us in California than they do in, in the Northwest, and that might be partially yeah. my fault too. I don't know because I, I like to talk, <laughs> shit, I talk shit about the Northwest a lot, you know. Oh well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, San Diego wasn't good for us until like um, came out like in two thousand five. We started finally having like good shows. We always play that real small place. Um, uh god see you can't remember any of these places we played there with you guys a oh uh times. the not the che cafe casbah casbah yeah yeah yeah. Yep. yeah. yeah. Well, i love that place you uh, you're always like how do we fit on the stage yeah, yeah how do we do it small. and then like when you play yeah and the crowd is like right there uh, i i love love playing there great great venue we've been playing at this place called uh brick by brick in san diego it's it's pretty cool. It's like a. I've heard of that place. It's like, it's a different. Uh, it's more of like a metal. Like like, there's certain venues that seem to get the same types of tours, and that that, like, yeah. you know, for example, like you know, thirteen forty nine went through there, crowbar, you know, like uh, th- those types of tours, and like, uh, 
it's a nice venue, man. It's like they got great sound system. Uh, the sound guy, one of the sound guys, Otto, is a uh, you know he's a good friend of ours. He's like uh, you know mixed us on. He he did sound for us on a tour and and um, he did he did sound for us and fit for an autopsy on uh, the tour we did a few years ago together. And um, yeah, it was just yeah. like a good, pretty cool spot. Like you know it's. There's like a nice restaurant across the street, you know. It's a, I like, San Diego is pretty cool. I like San Diego. Yeah, it's I don't a little know, right man. wing. I had like it's a little too right wing yeah, for has, me, but it's pretty cool uh, city though. It's kind of got that like broy vibe, where like people with like sleeve tattoos wear shorts and straight brim hats and wear like <laughs> lag wagon t-shirts. Yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> like, they're really into the band Kenny Wise. <laughs> well, yeah, well, hey, you're that's the stronghold of that shit, man. Like even like, like L.A., like Southern California. That's like that that type of. That's like the equivalent of like those Boston dudes, except they're on the West Coast. You know what I mean? Right. Like neck, neck yeah. tattoos and like you know fucking fitted hats and shit like that. You know. Yeah, like. Uh, like I went down there a couple of years ago. And like, yeah, like, like real like tough guy shit. They listen to like pop punk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I find that I always like, found fucking, that weird. Yeah, it's like that weird kind of like like that that dude who plays drums for Blink One Eighty Two. I was all like hard and shit, <laughs> you know. <laughs> But like I know that guy. Like it's like you're band. you're in the biggest sissy fucking band ever. And you're trying to come off like you're some tough guy, yeah. I mean, I'm sure yeah. he's, I'm sure he's yeah. a fucking beautiful person, but like, uh, I, I just found that odd. You know, it's like, I don't know, dude. It's like uh, maybe he is yeah. a tough guy. What, what do I know? You know. I just saw a documentary about uh, like L.A. A tattoo artist, Mr. Cartoon. And, like, it's pretty. Like, he tattooed like all like the hip hop guys and yeah. him. Like, oh yeah! Like it's just so weird. He's around guys like Exhibit, Dr. Dre, Eminem, and then you got the drummer from Top Punk Band. You know, uh, yeah, it's really weird how the, how those things kind of collided. Didn't that ha- guy like almost die in a plane crash? Yeah, him and uh, that famous DJ DJ AM were the only survivors. Oh wow, man, that's fucking intense, um, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of respect, <laughs> respect for Pat. I mean, he had burns on like eighty percent of his body. Um, the guy who, so one of the other guys, the DJ Am, later, I think he died like a year later oh, of a drug overdose. Oh, damn! I think they found an oxy. I, 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 I shouldn't say this. I don't know if it's true, but I thought I had heard he died. But like, they found a pill in his mouth. That's, Ugh. Uh, Horrible. Yeah. Can you imagine you survive that? And then, yeah, I can't even imagine like. I, I know, like, when Blink-182 tours overseas, he takes a boat. Like, he'll leave, like, a week before the band. Oh, wow. Cause, I, hey, man, I could see having some sort of PTSD as a result of surviving Fuck, a plane crash. Yeah. Dude, I get, I get that shit on a turbulent flight. <laughs> you know, this yeah. guy survived a fucking plane crash. Dude. Yeah, that's insane. Okay, you know, I, I take every negative thing I said about, about him back. <laughs> No, man, I, I, well, the band is terrible. That band is like, I hate that band. Awful, yeah. You know, and, and I just, and, or, or maybe it's just me. I just can't relate to that kind of shit really, you know? Yeah. Me neither. Yeah. Not at all. So anything else you want to talk about? That's or? it, man. I, I, uh, I got to finish. Right. I'm, I'm almost done with writing this, uh, 
this it's like right now it's i think 14 pages long um this piece about uh integrity and um oh wow yeah, it's going to be published in this magazine that uh holy mountain's putting out and uh Right. Yeah, you've been working on this a while. I've been chipping away at it for quite a while. It's got like a lot of interview stuff in it. I had 50 pages all together and I edited it down to about, it's like between 14 and 10 or 14 and 20 right now. So, oh, nice. Yeah, I got like, I got, I still got a lot of, I have to, everything's edited right now and I have to kind of rearrange like the narrative so it, you know, reads like a, like an actual article. Right. So that's what I got to, I've been working on it on and off for like a few months now, but I, I'm today I'm, cool. I'm going to finish it today and send it out. So nice. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, man. Well, it was great talking to you and uh, yeah, we'll hang in there. And, um, you know, I think that the next couple of weeks are going to be very, uh, things are going to, a lot of things are going to be different. I think in the next couple of weeks, I am very curious, uh, what the world's going to be like next time we talk for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Cause I, I right, feel man. like, I feel like for the last like month, it's like, I, I was like in the, of the mindset of like, it, it's just, this is how it's going to be for like a couple of months. And then right. now I feel like we're at this like turning point where things are actually going to change. So yeah, for better or for worse, we'll see what happens. I guess we'll see. All right, man. All so, right, man. Hang in there. You too. Thank you.